You're listening to The Range, Gardner-Webb University streaming and on-demand radio. Jeff Powell in with you. Joining me, as he does each and every week, Matthew Tessner, big sports fan. Welcome, Matthew. Jeff, thanks. I know we're gonna. I know what we got to start off with. As we are recording this, uh, just last night, actually early this morning, early in the morning, World Series. Cubs. It's one for the record book, right? Cubs mm. win World Series. Hundred and eight years since you've heard that. Haven't been able to say that in hundred and eight years. So many happy people out there, Indians fans excluded. Yes. Um, maybe the only folks feeling a lot of heartbreak today. There are a lot of people who gladly jumped on the wagon with the Cubs. Uh, and I think that was one thing that made this World Series incredibly unique, was having a chance to make that 108-year history. Um, you know, when something hasn't happened in more than 100 years, I think you can rally a lot of people around that. And you were saying yourself, and I, I saw a lot of people posting on social media saying this too, not even a sports fan. But I'm cheering on the Cubs. I want to see the Cubs win. Yeah. This is exciting. Yeah, that, it got me excited, just the fact that it had been so long. Um, but in what amazing fashion. They had to win the last three games. They did, but that's not simple enough for the Cubs. They had to go to extra innings, rain delay, crazy stuff. It, it felt like in, in watching the Cubs in my lifetime, there was always something that kept them from advancing to the next round or – winning a game in general or getting to the World Series or in this case hopefully winning the World Series there was always you know a fan Steve Bartman <laughs> reaching out and grabbing a ball from the field of play uh, the the supposed curse of the Billy Goat Billy Goat's Tavern um, you know all these things over the years that that were either freak plays or, or uh, injuries in certain cases or curses supposed curses things like that and so last night uh, you know in watching game seven it just felt like uh, is this is this going to happen again? You you know you can't help but think of that. Is, is this the time? Did did we just wait till Game Seven to have all that happen? Because it was amazing that that this series went back and forth the way that it did, and the Indians had a three one lead, and the Cubs were completely against the wall. And I I personally thought the Indians would win, and I think I said Indians in six. Jeff, I got to give you credit. You said Cubs in seven. You were really feeling it, and that was was that that was early in that the was, series. Yeah, that. Yeah, and and that was me going completely out on a limb, so I got lucky. Yeah, yeah, and it just it felt like for me that the Indians had it. Um, but I think what it came down to in the Cubs winning was their depth. I, I, that's what I have to point to. Uh, the, the Indians really tried to ride uh, their number one starting pitcher, Corey Kluber. He started games one, four, and seven. Um, they tried to, to ride on the back of their middle reliever, Andrew Miller, um, who pitched a lot of innings in the series, uh, more innings than normal. Uh, they did not have the depth of starting pitching uh, and, and were not able to uh, overcome the number of innings that, that they had to pitch. Uh, one thing last night on the, uh, the broadcast that they kept talking about was uh, you know, a rare thing that starting pitchers were not making it past the fifth or sixth inning. And when you do that, your relief pitchers have to pitch more, and that puts more innings on their arms when they have to come in every game consecutively. They usually work on you know, a certain rest schedule, and when you interrupt that, they feel some fatigue, and we saw that on both the Cubs and the Indians pitching staffs, but uh, I think the Cubs were able to weather the storm a little bit. The thing that I kept thinking last night, too, as the Cubs were scoring runs, and they did that for games six and seven in Cleveland, they had a hard time scoring runs early in the series, and uh, there are a lot of talented bats on and, and hitters on that team, but they're very young, and it felt like maybe not, not that 
the the moment was too big for them, that the stage was too big for them at their age. But just maybe they had a, had to adjust to uh, the Indians pitching staff, playing in the World Series, the the power of the moment, and they, they finally found their way. And when they started hitting, it's just like the floodgates opened. And Game 7, that really happened early. And you felt like, okay, the, uh, okay, the Cubs are going to win this. And then right when you feel like that, the Indians come back and tie it. And, of course, it goes into extra innings, uh, and the Cubs finish it off. But um, it, it was. It was it was incredibly exciting for, for a sports fan in general. I, I think the thing that, other than feeling, okay, why did this happen? Okay, great Cubs hitting, uh, timely hitting at, at just the right time, brought them back from that 3-1 deficit and the pitching depth. I think other than that, thinking beyond the game again to the the historic ramifications of the World Series uh, and this first win for the Cubs since 1908, I, I think the thing that strikes me is how much the world has changed in that amount of time. Uh, it's just completely changed. We saw people um, – there was a guy who I think was at Game 7 of the 1945 World Series, the last time the Cubs played in the World Series. The Cubs lost that one, I believe, to the Tigers. He was there through a GoFundMe campaign online, raised money so that he could be at Game 7 in Cleveland last night. GoFundMe obviously has not existed that long. Uh, you couldn't do something like that in 1908 to no, rally support. No. Uh, I've seen a lot of social media pictures of what life was like in 1908, yes. and it, it's pretty amazing that it's been that long. So. Yeah, I, I, you know... I, Uber uh, and a couple of other uh, organizations were helping, uh, are starting to help deliver gear to fans, you know, championship gear, hats, T-shirts, things like that, driving that out on orders and, and, and stuff. Obviously, in 1908, cars were just kind of coming onto the landscape. You talk about things on social media. I saw an ad uh, for a car in 1908. I think it was like $750 or something like that. And it was, I mean, it was a pioneering thing. And I think this specific ad had some very humorous text on it that it was the best thing since a horse or something like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it really was. Yeah, it was the cars yeah. in their infancy. We yeah. had not, uh, the Titanic had not sunk yet. Uh, we had not got to World War One, even, exactly. let alone yeah. World War Two. Most homes, particularly in this part of the world, didn't have electricity, indoor plumbing. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah, uh, just that just that perspective on what, what was not here, what things cost, um, I, you know, just how much things have changed really in our world. And it's, it's just amazing to, to see all the folks really in tune with that history. Um, and and it, it was a historic game for so many reasons stat-wise. I think if I had to, you know, the interesting thing about players was um, Ben Zobrist, who was named the MVP, he's got an interesting story and he's not necessarily the most flashy player on the Cubs roster. He had the RBI double last night in the 10th inning that gave the Cubs the go ahead lead. They would score another run and then the Indians would add one too. So they needed that extra run. But um, Zobris, he won MVP, won the world series with the Cubs just last year. He won the world series with the Kansas city Royals. And so he's got two straight world series wow. titles with two different teams that have long awaited championships mm -hmm. and obviously the Cubs more than the Royals um, but he's been a fixture in baseball for a while as kind of a key uh, system guy he was with the Tampa Bay Rays when they were making the playoffs almost 10 years ago and so he's made a career out of helping unsuspecting teams and and long drought teams get to the World Series uh, and and have a chance for a, for a championship so that was an, an interesting story there but just just so many things come out of that I mean we could we could sit here and talk about stats for three hours and we're not going to do that but um, <laughs> I, it just uh, unbelievable I mean it was an unbelievable fashion extra innings
Well, how do you follow that up? What else were you going to talk about today? Uh, well, a uh, little bit of football uh, here at this point in the season. We're, we're almost to the to the middle of the season. And, you know, the thing that we can't stop talking about around the office is the New England Patriots. And, uh, you know, that pains pains a lot of non-Patriots fans. But they're 7-1. and one. And yeah. Tom Brady has come out there after his suspension and missing the first four games, and uh, they've they've won four the four games that he started. He's got 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, I believe. Uh, I was talking to to one of our colleagues the other day, and was kind of comparing it to golf. And golf, you have that first page leaderboard of guys who who are shooting the best, and then you get on to the second page, and you know those are guys who are just off the lead. Well, Brady missed the first four games. If you look at the touchdown passing leaders, Brady is right off the first page of those leaders, even missing four games. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so he's having an unbelievable season. Mm-hmm. And I think the Patriots are starting to round into form and look like, okay, maybe they're among the best teams again. Uh, I think the the most interesting uh, the most interesting two things are that Patriots dominance yet again that we just seem to see every year, every couple of years, and then the Cowboys. I mean, love them or hate them, how about those Cowboys? Uh, as, as Jimmy Johnson and uh, Jerry Jones, the coach and owner, used to say back in the glory days of the 90s, how about those Cowboys? They're 6-1. and one. And, again, we've set, we say it every week with a rookie running back and a rookie quarterback, and they've stuck with their rookie quarterback, Dak Prescott. Um, but those those two teams just right now look to be – you know, kind of the cream of the crop in their in their conferences, um, and some big games coming up really for those teams. And so, um, you know, the Patriots are going to be playing Seattle and Denver here in the coming weeks. Those are huge matchups, and so we'll really get kind of get to see what what shape they're in. Uh, and then the Cowboys have got Pittsburgh uh, and Minnesota. And we've talked about the Vikings a couple of times. They were undefeated, dropped a couple of games. Now they lost to the Bears earlier this week, uh, so I think they're five and two now. And the Cowboys have actually passed them up in the NFC. But some big matchups among some of the teams at the top. And so I think that's the thing to watch for. Uh, And one other thing about the Cowboys and their rookie running back, Ezekiel Elliott, he's got more rushing yards than anybody in the NFL right now. And so he's having success. The Cowboys are having success. But individually, he's also posting some very impressive stats. And so um, those are the interesting things. You know, the Panthers, they're they're two and five. Um, You know, they're two and a half games out almost halfway through the season in their division. Um, so they're not out of it. The, the Falcons leading the division uh, have not looked incredibly dominant. The Saints and the Buccaneers are just a game ahead of them. I, I still think that they have a shot at uh, posting a respectable record. Um, I don't think that uh, a wild card spot in the playoffs is completely out of the question if they can really get on a roll. Um, but, you know, they just haven't shown us enough so far yeah. to, that, that yeah. they're offensively or defensively, defensively going to be on that roll. Yeah. Uh, and, and the story every week seems to be Cam Newton talking about getting hit and not getting the calls for it. That mm-hmm. seems to be the thing that's coming out of each game. And when you have somebody who is talking about the refereeing, that's not usually a good sign. Yeah. Um, that, that's usually, as a fan, you're thinking, oh, that, that you know, just go out there and, and do your best and win. The, you know, There may be a call here and there, but I think my opinion is always, if you make the plays you need to, the refereeing won't matter at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. All right. So on, on top of the NFL, a little bit of college football. Uh, we haven't talked about college football in a while on Big Sports Fan. Uh, I, the, the top, uh, the cream of the crop is kind of rising to the top uh, at this point in the season. That's what the cream does. That's what the cream does, if it's the cream of the crop. Uh, and so we got four teams. Uh, the top four teams are 8-0. They're the, they're the kind of group of undefeated at this point. And, of course, you want to be in the top four to get into the college football playoff. And um, so we've got Alabama. 
very familiar names, Alabama, Michigan, Clemson, and Washington, all 8-0. Uh, Western Michigan is also, interestingly enough, 8-0, uh, but not a team that they would have to win out and be undefeated, win their conference championship to have a shot to get in just based on strength of schedule and, uh-huh. and those kinds of things. Uh, but looking at Alabama, Michigan, Clemson, and Washington, Clemson actually seems to me to have the easiest schedule from here on out. They beat Florida State. They beat Louisville. They had a couple of huge wins. Now, of course, anybody could lose any given Saturday, as we always say. But they've got a very favorable schedule at this point. Of course, that just means if they could win out, they make it into the playoff. Then anything can happen from there. Um, But I really see Clemson as, if I had to pick a team today that I'd like to go ahead and put in there, I would say Clemson because Michigan State, or or, sorry, Michigan themselves, they've got Ohio State still on the schedule, and that's always a tough matchup for them. Ohio State's a one-loss team. Uh, Alabama has to go to LSU. Not been that impressive, but still a good good game. They have their Auburn rivalry game. Uh, And then Washington, they've got a tough schedule. They, They go to Cal, they play USC, then they've got Washington State, which is a rivalry game for them and are pretty good. Good this year, so I think those other three teams—Alabama, Michigan, and Washington—have tougher schedules than Clemson. Uh, and then there's a whole crop of one-loss teams waiting on one of those teams to lose. Uh-huh. And um, of those, I would have to say that I feel like Ohio State uh, and maybe Baylor are the best one-loss teams to, to try to jump in there. But right now, it's it's amazing. At, at this point, it looks like okay. Well, if the season ended today, we've got those eight and zero undefeated teams. Real easy to choose who's going to the playoff. But we got a third of the season left. Right. Somebody's going to lose. Somebody's going to fall yeah. out. And then somebody's going to be unhappy when a team that they think gets gets put in above them into the playoff gets selected. And so it's never clean. That's one thing we've learned in college football. It's never clean when you've got a four-team playoff, if you've got a bowl system. I, there's just there's just not been a clean way to select that so that everybody's happy. And mm-hmm. I don't think there ever will be. No. Um, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun going down the stretch. All right, that's the big sports fan. Matthew Testner. If you've got any questions, comments, or suggestions for him, email us here at the station, info, I-N-F-O, at WGWG.org.